Well done. Marty, we've got to go back to the Terminus systems. I'm Vitra, please. Heinous trip at Warp 5. My name is Joseph. I'm your co-host, Peter. All right, to the point. <laughs> what did we watch this Dude, week? <laughs> we, we just went from talking about a great time travel episode of Strange New Worlds to uh, the fucking toxic fumes of salmonella chicken set ablaze that was uh, Subspace Rhapsody. And now I have a cat somehow st- <laughs> stuck in my house, potentially peeing in my garage. You've had a whole ass evening. And now we're going to cap it off by talking about a uh, mid-level Enterprise episode. Now, let me. luckily, there's a, there's a whole website dedicated to this. We watched Season 3, Episode 21. Is it E2 or E squared? That has to be E squared. E squared. Yeah. First aired May 5th, 2004. Day after my birthday. It's a Taurus episode. And by Mike Sussman. Directed by Roxanne Dawson. Interesting. You know, I didn't. Uh, I didn't pick on any Dawson. Dawsonisms. Dawsons. I mean, there was a lot of relationship stuff in this. Yeah, there's a lot nobody of, slathering. There's grease, a lot of nobody getting hit. Did someone get hit by a pipe? No. They can't all become episodes, right? Like it's all gone. All the comes up. What do you mean? It, it is an episode. It didn't have to be. Oh, B space C U M episodes. Yes, <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, this is. I don't want to say it's bad. It's not bad. It just is a little simple, little one note, kind of very predictable, and. After three weeks in a row of just solid, solid bangers combined with what's to come, which is more solid bangers. It's like, oh, yeah, this is kind of a little pit stop into back into mediocrity real quick. Disagree. Disagree. Oh, you did you love it or did you hate it? I didn't love it, but this is a solid ass episode, man. All right. And for Enterprise, which uh, lest we not forget season poo. I would take this episode over probably any, almost anything out of like the first two seasons. It's okay. Fair enough. We're grading on a curve. Definitely. It's great. And that's how we have to do these fucking things. Like I, we're not watching the show in a vacuum. You know, this isn't Voyager where every episode is a nation unto itself. Like there's continuity there. there, we've, We've sat through a lot of these cool shit happens. There's a lot of neat. What if, there's cool character introspection by way of uh, seeing where lives progress. And, in you know, to Paul's case, an opportunity to just talk to yourself. Um, you know, it's not edge of my seat like, holy shit, wow. But for an episode of Enterprise that I went into based on the previous capsule, expecting this to be the doppelganger people or mm-hmm. a situation where there is an alien influencer that is making them hallucinate and think that you know they're seeing double like this is cool the alien bad guys don't even get fucking like view screen time because the entire episode is based on the life and the failures of the starship enterprise yeah the bad guys are just thugs thugs and spaceships they're gonna shoot you Uh, i think the reason why i'm colder on this is something you don't know about which is 
this is a total ripoff of the DS9 episode. And when I say a total ripoff, I mean right down to the there's one member of the crew left from the ancestor crew members that eventually changes the course of what's going to happen as a consequence of their interference. Like micro beat for micro beat, this is Grand Theft DS9. And so I just found it very uninteresting in terms of the plot. But the personal kind of growth character stuff was still quite compelling. I really thought that there was something that this still added to the continuity of watching, even though it's just completely ripped off of DS9. They just just stole a plot they already did. Did you get a chance to read the Memory Alpha? Not really. Uh, we were jamming a lot of Star Trek so that we could talk about Strange New Worlds. So there, there's a lot of the there's deleted scenes. That's interesting. We hadn't seen that in a second. I remember the deleted scenes was a big part of our our look at uh, the end of season two, the expanse, because the Hoshi stuff and all of that. This is the first time I've seen those in a while. And it looks like it's a fleshed out scene between Tucker and his son, and then Archer talking to Flox about you know their sick bay, and then Flox talking about all the kids he had. Okay. Uh, original story pitched for this by Sussman is that it's actually the Columbia after all. It's the NXO2 and that they used uh, oh, okay. Zindi boom tube to get out there. They had the same issue and the Columbia is staffed by a generational crew uh, that would be hard set to win at all costs. And this is what we've been bred for in that. I think it would have been really interesting with some shades, almost potentially of uh God, what was the Voyager with the, not the Prometheus, the, uh, uh, the, the Equinox the Equinox. Well, this, it says it right here, actually. Now that I'm looking at the memory alpha, Sussman was asked to revise the story, make enterprise travel into the past and thus have the crew meet themselves, and their own descendants, much as the defiant crew had done in children of time. And Sussman pointed that out and was told doesn't matter. <laughs> we don't care. We're just going to steal it. Um, I'm so, sorry. Did you not just watch uh, doctor's orders slash one? Uh, since when do we <laughs> when do we say, in this writer's stuff? room, not just take a script of star Trek control F uh, certain characters names like the captain or the title and just replace with the enterprise appropriate equivalent. Or, you know, Voyager. I mean, this cannibalism is like the third rule of Star Trek. I, I'm i just wondering if this is very much uh, in here. Oh, and here it says at the end. Never mind. I don't even have to speculate. The end of that little note that talks about how Sussman knew this was fucking plagiarized as shit from the start. This information was provided by Mike Sussman. It's, it is not footnoted. It's just in the notes here, like Mike Sussman edited the memory alpha. <laughs> I guarantee you himself to say, yes, I know this was stolen. I fucking told Rick Berman and he did not fucking care. Stop asking me about it. How amazing. You know, there's so many ways to communicate with fans or people that consume your media. You know, you can make um, tweets, right? Yeah, really just have a, a, a dialogue there. You can make your own podcast. You can have fucking YouTube clips like that guy that made the Fallout games or you're talking to your fans. This might be the most alpha level nerd 
to just <laughs> be like, there's people out there who want to communicate with me. They're never going to follow me on Twitter and they're probably not planning right. to see my fucking content uh, behind Robbie and fucking Garrett's um, premium tier subscription on Delta Flyer. But they're going to read these fucking memory alphas and I will go directly to the source and I will speak to God myself and <laughs> plead my case at the gates of St. Peter and tell, you know, let it be written for all time. And for all eyes that are going to ever care about this sort of thing, that is right. I mean, it worked, right? We just pointed out, like, okay, Mike Zussman, not a plagiarist. He fucking take knew. Take the time out of your him. day. <laughs> fucking twenty years later, I'm gonna sit down with this fucking Wikipedia. I'm gonna, like, what, what what is Mike Sussman doing right now? That he's got the time in his day to to make a memory alpha user account and edit that. I like Sussman. I like his work and the fact that he's willing to put the the time in to fucking amend his own body of works memory alpha page. How much of this other stuff is here? Because this is a long entry. I feel bad that uh, I watched Subspace Rhapsody instead of actually reading <laughs> this episode entry. Um, no, I like this episode, man. Uh, and we open up with a slow panning shot with a bunch of fucking it looks like a garage sale of crap littered about. As uh, we get the big reveal that somehow Palpatine has returned. I mean, if you're going to put someone in old age makeup, it might as well be so like over the top, like ridiculous old age makeup that like the weirdness of it kind of leans in. So, yeah, it's definitely Julian Blaylock. It's definitely to Paul, but it's uh it's Crypt Keeper to pull. It's if Palpatine had sex with Yoda and this is the crusty, old, jittery, milky eyed <laughs> ghoul that was left over. That's still, you know, after a couple beers and that <laughs> suit. You can straighten out that scoliosis. Is that what you're saying? Mm hmm. But this, this elderly Vulcan uh, lady uh, is. Uh, talking to a, I actually kind of looked a lot like Dean Stockwell. Yeah, oddly, kind of with that's that gray what hair. I was looking. Ah, uh, yeah. not Dean. What else is this yeah, guy been in? This this actor's David Andrews. He uh, was Stargate. Jordan. He was Jordan Cresswell on Jag. He was in Apollo thirteen. He was in Terminator 3? Oh, I'm sorry. This man had a career. I apologize. Terminator 3. Terminator 3, is that the one with the Terminatrix? Yes. What was he in that? Oh, he's the Skynet's dad. That's what I know him from. He's the General Brewster. Yeah, he's like the fucking dude that basically he puts Skynet online. This This guy plays military authority figure in stuff to this day. Listen, you don't have that hair without being, you know, the man uh, for all mankind. He was on the boys. He was on. He was in Watchmen. This man's still doing shit. Yeah. What's he in? He's just like showed up for like an episode. What's he in for all mankind? uh, uh, Admiral Scott Ukin. It's like second episode. He's probably like a background character. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, he's going to work with uh, 50s era uh, command authority. And then what else would you say he was in? Expanse. He was in the boys. Was he in the boys? He was a senator. Senator Calhoun. Yeah, he could be a space. Uh, guy. He could be a Texan, a real Texan. Yeah, space tech. He could be a senatorial Texan. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, he was a not the kind of weak-willed senators that you know turn into water after being abducted by mutants. This guy, he's you know he's going to stick to his. Guns. He's not Senator Kelly. He's got some strength. <laughs> <to him. laughs> You're not going to see this guy running across a flight deck full of acid, not being shot at by John Archer. Point is, uh, this actor David Andrews, who plays this other Vulcan, he's done things. He's got experience. He actually does a great job in this episode, in my opinion. I think he conveys he comes- more perceived authority and bigger balls than Archer does. And that actually makes those scenes a little lopsided that this guy's able to speak with so much more conviction. He's just a better actor. Sometimes <sighs> that's what happens, man. Yeah. Whoever this guy is, he's failed to stop the Zindi probe. He's not not feeling good about that. And Paul tells him, well, then you're going to have to find Jonathan Archer. And so clearly we already kind of know where we're going, which is there's some reason there's a future to pull. (laughs) And this guy who seems obvious has to be her son based on age and ears. Based on blonde hair that this clearly trips kid. You know what happened here? Let's let's we're going to find out, I'm sure. And when we get back to the episode, uh, we actually start with current day trip and to Paul and Paul's trying to meditate and trip shows up and asks for neuro pressure, but as a pretense, because he's actually kind of reaching out to to Paul emotionally. Cause he's noticed she's been having problems, which of course she has because she was smoking crack rock for three months <laughs> and you don't come off the crack rock without feeling bad to Paul. Now I see you got the shakes trips from Florida. He knows what drug use looks like. <laughs> You know, my great grandpa like, uh, chewed another man's face off under an overpass while high on bath salts. And while Trillium D isn't exactly a bath salt, I. People are still doing crocodile in the 23rd uh, century. Crocodile Who knew? is a fucking narcotic of the week I haven't heard of in a while. <laughs> but in, in genuineness, he comes to her. He knows he's trying to reach out like it's definitely playing him as I'm not just trying to get laid. I actually am caring about you. But Paul is not ready to deal with that. This is an interesting way to go back to their relationship, because the last time we saw them was Trip kicking a uh, empty gasoline can down the hallway. Uh, you know, Degra gave him power cells to try and help repair the damage after the fight with the reptilians. And him kind of having to come to terms and say, like, you know, turns out I'm pissed about my sister dying after all. I'm not okay. These emotions are fucking me up. You guys are lucky. You Vulcans are lucky you don't have emotions. And then she's like, no, you're lucky that, you know, you don't have to smoke rock to get these feelings. Uh, So him cycling back around and being like, right, you know, I've chilled out now. Turns out you're kind of fucked up. Like, why doesn't he call out the fact and be like, you know, when we thought that Archer was dead when he went on the suicide run and you were the boss and you were basically completely worthless and very clearly freaking out like you are fundamentally fucked. And well, because I think he's trying to take a softer approach because she just did help him. It makes sense that, like you said, he's chilled out and he's like, OK, well, to Paul really seems like she's struggling, like she's out of sorts. I see mm-hmm. it. I'm going to go talk to her, you know, like, that's what I think I should do. Like, we're certainly more than friends at this point. Like, I want to reach out. I don't know what else to do. And, you know, the defensive sort of pushing away that Paul is doing makes a lot of sense in context of the journey she's on. Right. Like she 
is very uncomfortable with where she's wound up as a consequence of smoking the Trillium D. She can't, she can no longer regulate away her emotions the way she's used to. And so she wants no contact as much as possible. She's become a hermit. She's staying in her quarters. It's where she takes her meals. She just works and comes back and does not talk to anybody. And it makes sense if you're like, okay, I need to center myself. I got to get the job done. I cannot afford to care about anything right now. And then like the one guy you care about the most, obviously, you just were having crazy sex dreams about him shows up and you're like, I got to get him out of here. Yeah, I can't afford Trip, to break down. Come on, right please. Now. I'm trying to pray the feels away. Yeah. Like, he can, and she also can't explain, right? Like I can't explain to you. I smoked a bunch of fucking crack rock. Like, <laughs> like we, none of us have time right now to deal with that. Like I know that. So I'm not going to tell you trip. Hey, um, I, I want, I want to bring in my life. So I'm going to come clean. You remember how we're in this part of space where like, anomalies are twisting people's faces off and like Archer got a brain parasite. And uh, also you almost died and we had to make a clone of you and then kill the clone to fix your brain because of the space anomalies. But then we've actually got the stuff we could put on the ship to make us immune, but we have to endanger everybody's life to the point where like you almost died and Archer got a brain bug because that stuff's toxic and turns me into like a space zombie. (laughs) <laughs> uh well <laughs> i know it sounds weird but i've actually been smoking that like drugs <laughs> i've been crushing it down and and putting it in my mouth uh and that's been a thing for like the past six months <laughs> um and as a side effect i'm going through withdrawal yeah, I don't think you can drop that right now. I think, I think you got to put a pin in it and, you know, just leave it right where it is. Now, like, see, she's a... That is a problem. That is future to Paul's problem. She is a... It's not present to Paul's problem. She's a Vulcan. She didn't grow up on Earth. She doesn't know about the secret codes you can put into a conversation. <laughs> so she wouldn't know better than to say, hey, I want to tell you something, but you got to promise not to get mad. Right? So then... By not prefacing it with the you got to promise not to get mad, then you know that is the that is the ultimate Uno reverse card yeah. <laughs> uh, for revealing secrets. I was like, I do believe a few minutes ago you uh, made a promise <laughs> that <laughs> you would in fact not be mad, and I am detecting hostility. Ergo, I do believe you are someone without honor. Trip, you know, you're just freaking about you're, you're being a real downer about this. Can you just go back to caring about your dead sister? And let's we'll just forget this even happened. Interesting relationship dynamics there. Joking aside, and it's funny to, to spell that all out in like a snarky way, like how ridiculous it is. Yeah. How good of a plot line that has actually been through season three? Yeah, like, it's, no, and, it's good. And that stuff. It does not. And it's happening isn't as ridiculous as it seems because they set up that T'Pol has this interest uh, that T'Pol kind of looked into the void as a consequence of her original experience. She kind of got that first taste. Mm-hmm. It was completely unintentional. And, you know, combined with that, combined with the mind meld experience she's had and the um, you know weird Vulcan jazz clubs and everything else. Disease, They've jazz used the the format of the show 
where there are meta plots running to to put a little bit here and a little bit there and a little bit there. And as a result, there is a solid stepping stone path to bring us to these um, ridiculous developments where you're like, this is reasonable and I enjoy watching this happen. So they're not they're not communicating. She kicks him out. Off they go. Uh, let's switch over to the the real interesting stuff. My my boy, my boy Degra. Yeah, Degra, the secret best character of the season. He's having a conversation with the other primate who has not been involved, and they're telling him, uh, "Hey, guess what? Guess who's coming to dinner? <laughs> like we are we're having a guest. It's going to be Archer." And he's like, the, the council will kill him the moment he shows up if you lost your fucking minds. And he and the Arboreal, played by Rick Worthy, are basically telling him, like, listen, I can't. we can't explain what we've seen. We feel like we have evidence and context for things that really does matter. And yeah, we're just going to show up with him. Casting on these guys is perfect. Uh, I, I don't even know where to start with, like, Degra is like, just just talk like he has read the script all the way to the end. <clears throat> he knows how this ends. And at this point, he's just trying to like space bar through box text to get people to like a point where he can. Like, try, make a decision, try to like diplomacy them into what he believes is the only reasonable course of action here. Then you've got uh, the other primate who is just completely incredulous. Like what well, you did? What? Like you, you are talking crazy. Have you been hanging out with like people handing out uh, religious literature on the street? Like, are you in a cult? What the fuck is going on? And then you got Arboreal. That's just like basically stoned and chill. Like, nah, man. Yeah. <laughs> Degra's all right. Archer's Archer's got friends in the future. Uh, we're, we're, Space Scoop's going to fucking kill everybody. And then it's just the two primates getting like more and more pissed, not pissed off, but like uh, frantic and energetic and just yelling about the situation. And I'm like, everybody here is right. This is exactly how this situation should play out. If you were in the room with two dudes with an awful haircut and a fucking Yeti, like. It does come up in this conversation that there have been reports of multiple Earth vessels in the expanse which is something that has been mentioned previously. Of course, that finally have we've we have this little plot thread that's been going on for like 6 7 weeks. How many ships are in the expanse? We've heard these all these reports of this earth ship. Are there more than one? Oh wait, there is. <laughs> like what we find out as Enterprise attempts to enter into this nebula that has the the boom tube they're going to use to meet with Degra is another Federation, not Federation, another Earth ship shows up. And like, what the fuck? Is it the NXO2? Is it the Columbia, as we mentioned? No, it's the NXO1, and it hails them, and it's the guy we've already met. Now, obviously, we already, here is the plot, right? We, we This is clearly them from the, from the past into the future. We're going to find out how this happened as uh, after we get away from this initial encounter. Archer's suspicious. Lauren, the the guy who we met at the beginning, who we'll find out is named Lorian, puts him at ease. He comes over to talk, and the past is revealed through black and white flashbacks. 
which is, yes, what happens, what's about to happen is you're about to go into that nebula. When you go into that nebula, you're going to get attacked by faceless thugs. They're going to hit your engines at the wrong time. You're going to hit the boom tube. And what you don't know is that time and space is going to spit you out in the right place, but at the wrong time. In fact, it's 110 years in the past. And because of that, you've got nothing to do but sit and wait until the opportunity comes for you to stop the weapon. That's what's about to happen. I, I buy it as an explanation for the circumstance. Here is the weak spot for the episode for me. Uh, because now there's time travel. And as again, we've just created this video on tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow for strange new worlds, which was a great time travel episode. Time travel is incredibly difficult to do well in Star Trek. Because you and I can sit there as consumers of sci-fi and people with room temperature IQs and come up with like 8,000 different ways you could have done this situation better than what these guys actually do. And first of all, why is time Zuck not involved in assisting the first version of the enterprise that goes back in time accidentally? The guy can travel in fucking time. So whether he's going back to archer's time or a hundred years prior that's like another click on the fucking dial who cares so the fact that well i think they think there is an explanation for that particular element though that's was in time's Zuck's last episode which is none of this is supposed to be happening at all this is this entire event is unknown to us as a consequence of our understanding of time and space therefore we do not know what is supposed to happen and that makes it impossible for him to intervene on behalf of the enterprise when they get stuck in this time thing, because they're in uncharted waters, which makes the paradox, not a paradox because this whole area that they're in, the expanse, it doesn't follow the rules. Like that's the whole fucking point. If this was a novel, there would have been a page where time Zuck shows up and says, there's too many variables here. I cannot help you. We have very strict mm -hmm. rules about this, even with as bad as the situation is. We don't know how this is going to play out until there's a reason why we can't get involved. Right. Right. There's a range of outcomes and all of those outcomes are within tolerance. Like, this, within tolerance. I can't do anything. Right. There's nothing else. My ability to manipulate is not fine enough to fix this. Now, you just have to wait. That's time Zuck. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the plans that they come up with, which is, um, sit around and do nothing until the probe launches and then try to stop the probe from killing people or the correct answer, which is go to earth and right as enterprise leaves to go off in the expanse, then you come out and say, Hey, here's what's going on. Or before the actual attack comes and says, hey, here we are. We don't have any better future technology. I'm not fucking Janeway bringing uh, anti-Borg doomsday machines. Um, but there's a bad attack coming. We got to stop it. And also we're going to need to go to war. Uh, or, hey, there's a fucking area in space and people are being manipulated by future time travelers or all sorts of shit, right? Time, time violations are already happening. So them intersecting themselves like, Real weak decision that the, the game plan is to try to stop those indie probe, which they fail because. Well, they do say they do say, and I think this interferes with your, your line of thought. They could not leave the expanse. 
It was impossible for their ship to get out, which we've heard before. So they had whatever they did had to be in the expanse. So absent your ability to go to Earth and tell them at the right time what's about to happen, they got to stay there and try and, as they decided, intercept the probe to begin with, which would be their first opportunity to act. And then when that fails, that's when they say our next plan is to find Jonathan Archer. Now, you could have said, well, they could have gone right to where they knew they were going to come into the expanse at that time or something they could have done differently. But I think the idea is like, well, they were trying to stop the probe, failed, and were out of position to catch up to Archer until now. Like, All right, let's, let's keep going on this. Did the f- gas wall or whatever the fuck they call it, actually exist a hundred years ago or is that a more recent development we know that the sphere builders can manipulate time and whatever they're doing transdimensionally transcends space and time so it could happen it could be that it does exist a hundred years ago and also exists now you know like we're messing with the rules therefore any circumstance can apply like that then why wouldn't the fucking sphere builders have killed the other NX? I'm sorry, the 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 future enterprise. So like, again, this is where time travel falls apart. Uh, also, mm-hmm. you could say, all right, well, the first probe is going to get out of there. Why wouldn't the NX? I'm sorry, why wouldn't uh, the future enterprise? As soon as enterprise crosses in, they go, OK, we know what their point of entry is. We know that they've been laying out fucking uh, uh, subspace well, I relays. That. I mean, you could have. I mean, I, I, I said that originally. I said that when they tried to go stop the probe, wherever that was, was so far away from where they knew they were going to be. It was either do one or do the other. So they chose to try and All stop right, the You probe fuck up the failed. probe. It gets through. It sucks. Enterprise six months later comes in, enters the expanse. Uh, they could have been waiting there. Well, how long has it been since Enterprise got in? Because it was six months to fly out there, right? I think it was six weeks to fly out there, and they've been in it for six months. They could have jumped on the subspace network that Enterprise created when they came in and said, hey, um, we know exactly where the bad guys are. And send, although the other ships are all fucking garbage. Like if the NX-01 is the absolute best in Columbia's way out, even if they knew where to strike, I think it's reasonable to say that Earth Starfleet would not be able to send. Although, hey, you tap the fucking Andorians and the Vulcans. Hey, please, they're going to blow us up. We know where they're at. Can you please use your warp seven ships or whatever the fuck you have and go hammer these fools? What it... It sucks. There's no good way to tell this story where you're plugging all of your plot holes because time travel is garbage. Uh, So I think all things said, based on the past five minutes of our conversation, (laughs) they did a good enough job with what it was. And and we do get confirmation, by the way, that Lorian's dad is exactly who you would assume it to be, which is Trip. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's another there's a his first officer is Karen Archer and is a alien of unknown species. Straight up, we get the whole story generation. You know, as soon as you realized this was going to take multiple generations uh, to, to solve, you know, the first children were born shortly thereafter and they inherited the mission and then their kids inherited the mission. And that's who's here now. You know, I do love uh, a good generational ship, right? Ever since, what was the first generational ship we really encountered? Back in Voyager, was it the 
Harry gets an STD. There was also the, I guess that was the first one, because the next one we saw was the Klingons. The Klingons that decided to travel into the Delta Quadrant for religious reasons were uh, multi-generational. Um, let's see. I think there's probably some other generational family style ships, you know, cities in space situations. We're not thinking of from Voyager. There's gotta be one. It feels like something that happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hmm. I'm sure someone can point out to us. Some people have really watched the show and listened to our reviews recently. So if, if there was, it's more than just the two of Harry getting the space STD and we learn about the Will Riker rule and the Klingon ship, let us know. (laughs) No, Banging the aliens. Yeah. You don't know. Never even know when it's going to be that chick from Cheers. Mm. Don't you remember? It was that episode of TNG where it's the first contact gone wrong and part of his Will Riker getting out of it was banging the nurse. Yeah, I mean, that's all it takes. A little, little D to, <laughs> to, to, to grease the wheels. Speaking of awkward hookups, the docking port on Enterprise for them to like pull saucer to saucer and like, you know, just perfectly alongside each other. All I'm doing is looking at the fucking nacelles, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember what happened the last time enterprises nacelles touched another ship. Earth got blown up, right? Real bad design choice. And I would think that anybody reasonable, like one would have to come in perpendicular to the other, like for like a crisscross pulling a rip right along next to each other. You're asking for trouble. I did like the way they had the older version of Enterprise was not like super tech, like you said. It's make work stuff, right? It's it's shit bolted on. It's stuff isn't working quite as well as it used to. Uh, they're making, I mean, they're jury rigging all kinds of things, but it's it's working, but it's not better. Take how cool Voyager looked when it'd get like neat Borg shit on the outside of the hall. Now try to recreate that with like duct tape and cardboard boxes. Yeah. It's like, what if you had to repair your Ford Mustang with the stuff you found at the scrapyard and you succeeded, but it looked like shit. What if you took an NFL linebacker and you showed them at the age of a hundred and just, they have as many fucking knee braces and like arm (laughs) crickety things as possible. So they can just Frankenstein along. Uh, so Lorian says, hey, I've got a plan here. We can retrofit your ship with some shit we have so you can actually we're going to overclock you so you are able to hit this um, meeting without using the space butthole shortcut. And uh, it'll be fine. We do it ourselves, except our ship is 100 years old and our fuel injectors are shot, whereas you are basically brand new for all intents and purposes, and you can do this. So they're like, right. Go warp 6.8, which would be a huge improvement over what they're supposed to be able to do. Yeah. Um, I mean, you might as well all be Vulcans at that point. So they begin the plan of let's uh, let's upgrade the ship with illegal tech from the future. So they're, they're starting to do that. Um, we do get a scene of Lorian and trip hanging out. We find out, that in fact, uh, Trip and T'Pol were married, but unfortunately, Trip died relatively young. Uh, he was fourteen. Lor- yeah, Lorian was only fourteen, so he never really got to know his father in his adulthood. 
which, um, you know, it's, he's the, the, the guy playing Lorraine's doing a good job of, of trying to strike the balance where he's being contained on emotional level, like you would expect a Vulcan to, but not any Vulcan way, you know, like that he kind of had to figure out for himself how to do it rather than have like the discipline kind of, uh, introduction to it that like someone like Spock probably did. And it's affecting him. I'm speaking to his father, but he's still very clipped and very, you know, direct and to the point and not overly burdened by emotional response. It's a nice spot. He lands with it. Meanwhile, Archer's getting a tour from his great granddaughter. uh, And we see like kids, we see older people, everyone's in civilian clothes that we've switched to a nice warm yellow lighting. And, Oh, by the way, there's someone here who's been waiting to see you. And he goes and meets to Paul. So Palpatine's like, oh, Jonathan, it's good to see you, but I don't really want to talk to you. And uh, I'm not going to talk to Trip either. Uh, here's a pad. Uh, my son is full of shit. <laughs> hey, I don't think we've got the time. By the way, just give this. She says, give this to your science officer. She'll understand what it means. Which is to say, give it to myself. I'm smart enough to understand what I'm saying to myself. Sure enough. Yeah, it turns out Lorian's idea is um, got a relatively high chance of failure in these knots closing. 22%, right? That is correct. Archer confronts him, says, you should have told me. Fuck you. Uh, I'm going to be uh, uh, petulant and... and uh, rash and and i'm gonna make a decision here with about 26 minutes of having this information in my possession that you've been able to stew over for years decades 100 years i would have liked you know they try to save the fact that lauren was uh the replacement for archer and that archer tasked him with the mission i'd have liked him to play the card be like this is your plan you had the time to think this over and this was your decision. So whatever shit, Ooh, that would have been good. Whatever shit yeah. you've dreamed up in the past 15 minutes on your walk over here. I'm telling you, it, you came up with this. So fuck you. Go with my plan. I'd also love to see when they, when they talk about, you know, their own relationship with each other that Archer's unfamiliar with. When you turn, when Lauren turns the, the acting juice on this is like I swore to my captain on his death that I'd complete this mission. You were the man I swore that to. It would have been something else if he said, you picked me to be the captain of enterprise to succeed you because I was going to be the only crew member who's still going to be alive and know what you said and what you wanted because I'm Vulcan. And because of that, I was the only person who could carry this burden of leadership and to complete this mission and this whole crew and everyone on it. They, they don't know what I know and they can't know what I know because I'm the only one who heard it from you. Like that was what was missing was that. And yes, this was your plan. This was your idea was find us a way to not fall into the circumstance again. And so I did, Mm -hmm. I spent a hundred years finding it, but I did. And now you're telling me it's not good enough. Fuck you, John. What the fuck? Your orders my father's burden to avenge the death of his sister. I'm a, I'm a whole fucking thing, dude. So take your bullshit. John Archer snap decision-making process and fucking, you know, 
shove it up your ass. We'll get the rock back in here. For <laughs> Raw is war is still a big thing right now. We, we we're uh, yeah, this is still you know C, uh, UPN, so they, they've got the connections here. <laughs> what if the rock was his son? <laughs> I mean, like, what? Who? Who? In who has the charisma <laughs> to who have been responsible for spawning the rock? Clearly, one of these alien crew members they met at some point. The Tus- no one that we Tuskanaksuke, know. whatever fucking race they were. I want to see a pro wrestler try to stand up in John Archer's ready room, where not even Scott Bakula can fully stand up because the ceiling is so low. And then you got some giant ass seven foot dude, like completely hunched over, like trying to deliver. Uh, meaningful, dramatic dialogue. Uh, The important thing for me while they're doing the tour of the generational ship enterprise is that there's kids over there, you know, Mm -hmm. and this is going to come into play twice because jumping through the the plot, uh, Lauren decides that, hey, Archer plan fucking sucks, which we know because Real Archer probably came up with it, and I've been thinking about it for like 80 years. We know what we got to do, and we're going to do it. And I kind of like that because we just watch Enterprise be space pirates and rip off people and steal their warp core that them stealing this shit from Enterprise doesn't really bother me. Right. We're in the dirty part of this uh, this adventure yeah, now. Dick like, kicking is... Enterprise is a- Definitely crossed it in a, a, a shall we say, a moral event horizon. Yeah, dick kicking is on the fucking table. And dick kick, they do. Uh, parts getting stolen. They steal the warp. They shoot everybody in engineering, right? We might as well have uh, seven and nine down there just shooting people in the fucking main engineering. They steal the, the Gatorade canisters out of the wall. They get so much mileage out of those fucking set pieces. Those are what, the warp injectors? Yes, the plasma injectors. Um... And then off they fly and they're like, oh, shit, they stole our warp shit. And then they're like, all right, well, let's start shooting at them, which is real dangerous. We're going to get in a fucking slap fight out here while we're both pretty fucked up. And then Archer's like, get the transport. We're going to start stealing all the shit off their ship like this is uh, some (laughs) novel, novel space combat idea against another unshielded vessel. Right. Just like just start taking things (laughs) into space. Be my Reach your hand son. into the engine and pull something out. It's like that uh, concerning flight where you're just space mugging people to transporter. They get back in. There's a nice conversation in the brig. And this is where he reveals like, hey, you were my captain. This is why I'm doing this thing. We had an opportunity to stop this. Um, for whatever reason, which is basically the plot <laughs> Because the plot, the script needed us not to be any smarter than we were. We tried to take the fucking probe on by ourselves. We were not able to stop it. But I had a second chance, and that was if I just rammed the goddamn thing with the ship. But I was not willing to sacrifice my crew. Which is one thing to say if you've got a Starfleet vessel, but when there's little kids running around the hall playing fucking dodgeball and shit, like... Suddenly it hits different. hits real different, right? And that becomes mm-hmm. uh, meaningful, especially at the end. The 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 what you know what happens to these guys? Um, you know, we were not willing to ram this thing. The real answer there is, 
ramming this thing and blowing up would have done nothing because they'd send out another fucking probe, right? That's that's the silliness of this is that we're try had they successfully stopped that probe, another probe would have been constructed, if not the real Death Star, and Earth would have been caught completely flat-footed. Or not. I mean, there could have been some discussion of this, of like, we had conceived of the idea, you know, we knew from all of the chatter we heard in advance of the construction of the probe that if this failed, they weren't going to pursue building the bigger one. Or whatever. Mm. And like, that's why this was the plan was like, if we interrupted this, if we'd show that Earth knew what they were up to, they'd get spooked and decide not to do it. Uh, absolutely. Or something. No, because they could have found a way to bridge the gap you're talking about through dialogue. They just chose not to. Everything we've seen out of the Zindi is that they're being puppeted and the shit's going to happen regardless. If they had blown up the probe and they said, Jesus, these guys are even more advanced than we thought, like they're a huge level threat. You know what? Fuck the Death Star. We got to go with space aids after all. Plan Detroit as a go with the full endorsement. Like, And again, this is all knowledge that they have. Archer knew they were back in time in Detroit. Um, so by thwarting the probe, they would have just condemned themselves certainly to, to death by space aids. I'm not holding this against the episode because time travel sucks, but like I didn't want to blow up my fucking crew. I held back as a result. Everybody died. My aunt's dead. <laughs> um, you're here now. And Archer's like, all right, well, I'm going to let you out of the brig. We're going to work together. And um, hey, you know what? Here's this other fucking option. C we never thought of before was, you know, what if you distract the bad guys while we fly through unmolested and uh, get through the space butthole without causing a problem? And tell you what, if we go through and we get knocked back in time, we'll tell Archer 3, like, hey, we did <laughs> option we 1 and we tried option 3. Those both fail. Like, again, you can keep doing this as many times as you need to. Like, that's that's the joy of, uh, God, what a Boulder's Gate. I saw an article and they said it. So we're all they call it save scumming. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Going back to the same spot over and over. Reloading again. your save file and, and playing the save scumming. I really like that. Yeah, pros playing Iron Man for a reason. You know, you got <laughs> to gotta take those L's when they come to you. There is one lower power scene that's more intimate, more interesting. Paul meets herself. Paul didn't want to meet anybody. Obviously, we talked about how at the beginning of the episode. She just shut herself off. She has no desire for communication. Now she's got a son. You never see her talk, see him present to Paul, talk to Lorian ever, except out in the very beginning. But she decides she can't help herself. She's literally an old version of her is right over there. And she's got questions that that version of her can actually answer for, for her. So she goes over and is like, I need to talk about the, the crack rock I smoked. And of course she knows that's what's mm -hmm. going to happen. Because she's lived it. Paul's like, first it's thing. like, if I were her, I would take this chance. First thing, stop picking all those scabs off, you crackhead. Make sure you start brushing your teeth. That trellium D has just completely fucked your enamel. You got you got trellium teeth now. <laughs> 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 Move over, Milwaukee mouth or Sheboygan mouth. There's trellium <laughs> yeah, teeth Sheboygan now. Sheboygan teeth, yeah. <laughs> I, I wanted old Paul to see young Trip. I think it makes sense to not do that. I think far better here is because 
you know, old to Paul. She knows her end is about to come here. And it's no like I my trip is gone. You are not my trip. My trip is a different guy who I married and had a kid with and lived with for 15 years as husband and wife. And you're a different man. And that's not I'm not interested in who you are. But the the past me, I can help her. Right. Like, I know what's happening here. She's already got the tea poured. She, she knows what conversation is about to happen. And is like, yeah, you're not getting better, honey. Uh, you you will always have emotions from this point forward. You will have to learn to live with them. You will always want and, to do crack for the rest of your life. And that's going to be something you grow older with and uh, are able to deal with, obviously. And then gives her some relationship advice. You know, like Trip is a good guy. He is somebody you can be emotionally vulnerable with. And yeah, I know I probably wouldn't have necessarily been with him if I wasn't literally stuck with him. But now since because of that, I realized how much I grew because of him. And I can offer you that wisdom now. Like that this was, this was a good idea. I like the uh, end advice she has, which is, you know, um, well, how do I know? And this and that, you know, I, I don't, I think I like him, but I'm not sure. And then she's like, you know, there's human expression. Um, the heart knows or something to that. Extent. Follow, your, Follow heart. your heart. Yeah. Follow your heart. Feel things out. I believe in the best. It's a great scene to Paul has with herself and the camera trick to put them both on the screen at the same time. Looks good. She also gives her some new uh, fucking illegal future tech. So they've got Heisenberg compensators or whatever the fuck it is. Uh, but Joe, I propose to you this, um, you know, she could have the scene with Trip, but she has a great scene with herself. Why not both? All right. She has a scene with herself. Great. Uh, I don't know what to cut out of this, but she goes, you know what? Ask Trip to come over. Trip comes over, sees her. She cries, embraces him and says, <laughs> you know, for whatever gentle, soft touch advice she gave herself about creeping around, she goes, she needs you. We need you. You do everything in your power to wife that girl up. <laughs> you don't take no for an answer because she wants you like crazy. And God damn it. Be a man trip. It's good seeing you one last yeah. time. Let me die in your arms. Give me that. And you can sit there and you eat. Okay, I've converted over to this now. Mm -hmm. You got me with that. You're like, not going to give me fucking Archer going back in time or forward in time and bringing back uh, future impending doom from Twilight and having that. Give me Trip knowing for certain it's his fate to marry to Paul at all costs. And, and that is that. And to Paul's the one who told yeah. him. <laughs> like, that's like, you heard it from her herself. Who's mm -hmm. like, there's things she's going through. She can't tell you right now, but she's going to need to eventually. And when she does, you are the only person that can you help know what her. Else? You are the only person who won't take advantage of her. You have to, you have to be there. Mm -hmm. And also too, you know, you've yeah. got some dark shit going on. You guys need, listen to grandma. Also, you got time for a quickie before I croak. <laughs> Yeah, just, I just, I'm gonna turn to dust. Just a pile of old lady clothes on the floor by the time he's done with her. It's will be the second weirdest sexual circumstance you've been in, Trip. I know you. Yeah. <laughs> I know what happened with the hand, baby. 
Can't hide that shit from me. Let's go. Plus, whatever may or may not have happened with Reptile off camera. Like, you've you've been into some weird stuff, man. Don't front. Um, They go in. They launch their caper. Oh, well, which is there's, that... there's, there's one good scene worth mentioning, and it's Hoshi and Mayweather, whom oh, yeah. you may have forgotten exist the episode, yeah. because they're only special yeah. guests at this point. There's a lot of cool what if here. And I always like that. Like Flox has fucked 80% of the crew and just um, procreated well, like no, a fucking her, Borg. Basically his, his wife. Did you hear what his wife was? It's the Israeli hottie on the makeup. Uh, Corporal McKenzie. No, Corporal McKenzie is who Travis winds up with. So Travis winds up with a uh, girl, blonde girl with see-through shirt and nice Flox winds up, yeah. Flox winds up with the Israeli hottie. So, no, no uglies in Makos, man. They, no, they, it's a very not, superficial not. organization. <laughs> uh, They're Marines, but they gotta look good. Yeah, no, uh, no Corporal Hayes in here, which you know, fine, that's fine. Uh, the important part of that little conversation as to everybody's future is. The truth gets spoken, which we all know. I don't need the Starship Enterprise of the future to tell me. And that's the episode title for this, which is Nobody Wants Read. <laughs> I was an app- actually appropriate, you know, character beat. Like the guy who's kind of a weirdo creep talked about how he slept around. You know, he's the dude that winds up striking out with all the ladies. Yeah. Nobody wants read. Yeah, it seems right. I thought he was going to be like, oh, no, um. Apparently, I don't have a chance because turns out my third time I get bolted to the hull. I actually die third time's a charm. So (laughs) I must admit on hearing this and even speaking about my death on the hull. Now I'm getting a little bit of an erection. So happy story for all, I suppose. But yeah, nobody wants his skeevy little ass. And then like later in the episode, they leave like. He turns his attention on some, you know, crew member Blondie, and he's like, hmm, I have the predator. Come here. I will correct this <laughs> error. Target locked. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, the space mug. So the tractor beam yeah, enterprise is a tractor beam, which is cool. They use it to like basically heave home into the space <laughs> vortex after they get fucked up by the thugs. They do this thing where they fly in one on top of the other and like. Surprise, I'm multiple man. We split apart again. It could have just been the first enterprise just flying in like, fuck you guys shooting on the bird, shooting some torpedoes off and then flying off, making the coast clear while enterprise goes in unmolested. But they they do this Prometheus hull split trick where there's a war or you know, some sort of echo signature. And they're like, no, there's two of us. Yeah, they get cute. One of us has red <laughs> phasers. The other one has like. Blue phasers. Blue phasers, which, you know, now it's a G.I. Joe. So cool. Um, Enterprise. Our Enterprise gets fucked up enough where they're like, all right, grab them with a the tractor beam and just yeet them through the butthole. Let's <laughs> <laughs> go get out of here. We'll hold them off. And, you know, classic. What happened in their last stand? Because they don't come back through the butthole. And my notes is those kids exclamation mark. You just showed me you got a fucking ship full of women and children and grandmas and fucking art classes and knickknacks like <laughs> they it's a cool ending because they stick around for five hours waiting. And they're like, they probably died, but what if like 
maybe they're going to show up later, which would be hella cool if. I mean, this is the ship to fucking pick up. Give me a part two on these guys. It's always like there's two of us now. There's the Prometheus. It was no, not the Prometheus. What was it called? Uh, the Voyager other Equinox. No, but like, hey, you know, now there's two ships. There's been one ship for a long time. The Pegasus, the Equinox, like. Don't always have to kill the other fucking ship. I'd, I'd love if this uh, this ship shows up later on and like fucking saves the day somehow. Uh, but then they're like, or maybe temporal mechanics, like by us getting through here, they don't exist anymore. And that's gone. And that's kind of, a, you know, it's always a sad ending, too. It's not quite to the level of uh, where the T-1000 clones of Voyager with fucking Potsy killing everybody miserably. <laughs> oh, yeah. Potsy is Jigsaw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was the one where it was Operation, it was, uh, Operation Annihilation or... Something like that was the second episode after Demon of the Silver People, right. where it's just you get to watch everyone die hideously. All of your thoughts and dreams and hopes and sacrifices all mean nothing. I mean, it does mean something because they complete the mission, but it's like you are erased from history. Congratulations. Well, that is, you know, to, to link us back to our Strange New World discussion. I think that was a really compelling part of the dialogue between Lon and Kirk is that Kirk understands that the consequences of assisting Lon is that he no longer exists. There will be a version of him that exists. It will not be him. It will not be his experiences. He, for all intents and purposes, dies. I'm really happy we watched that up, or I, I watched at least that episode before we were, or I, before I watched this episode, because there are a lot of parallels, and that is the, if we're successful, this guy doesn't acknowledge it. This doesn't get discussed until at the very end they don't actually go through, is that by changing history you won't exist anymore but the comfort in these sci-fi stories is always that we're going to destroy your timeline but you know what now that you've seen my timeline this is the good timeline and kudos to kirk uh, whoever the fucking actor is like his entire world changed it's such a strong emotional impact he's like yeah fuck you listen yeah you've got earth but we're doing pretty well we're still in the fight i got a can-do attitude and I'm not helping you with this until I find out Sam's alive. My brother is. Whoa, yeah. wait, hold on. From that point, you seem like take his whole universe, crumple it up and fucking throw it in the trash. And like, if one of us is living, it's yours because my brother's alive. And also, yeah, sunsets are pretty fucking rad. Sunsets, hot dogs and my brother's alive. Sign me up. What are we signing up to watch as far as Enterprise is concerned next week? Well, it's season three. Oops, it's all bangers. So whatever it is, we know it's going to be good. Uh, we're going right. to be going into. Season three, episode 22, the council. Good. <laughs> give me give me primetime Degra, man. I got it. Please tell me Degra survives this fucking season three that he gets to kill some fucking reptilians and that somehow Degra gets a seat at the Federation table because I love this fucking guy uh, written by Manny Cotto. All right. This is going to be the council. David Livingston's in there, too. <laughs> Archer confronts the Zindi council. That's it. That's all you get. This thing is dense. It's like, why try to summarize it? You just have to watch it. Uh, the only question is how many in... head wounds will Archer get this time around? Th this is almost. I, I, mean, I say almost. Uh, this is a three-part season finale. Really? You know? 
this is just one long story between this uh, zero out, countdown and zero hour, which was the last episode of the season. So we're almost there. We we have almost reached our destination, and we are we're ramping up, man. We're gonna have a good time. I would love to know, like I would like to see convention interview footage, or if there's like podcasts or <clears throat> whatever, like the moment where the cast realize like, okay, after two years of fucking garbage, like this is actually getting legit good. Like, wow. What, what, where am I working at? They probably didn't know until they watched it. Right. I had think like, you got to understand it when you start seeing these fucking scripts and it's like, okay, the fucking threat that this episode is not about my dog peeing on a tree. Yeah, no, I, I would agree that probably, they started to understand, but they probably really knew once they started seeing the finished products. And I was like, okay, we did a better job. I mean, just time, getting into know? the hot and heavy, like by this point in the season, like this is, or I don't know, maybe it's just on paper. These are ridiculous things happening. And it's not until you're actually in there recording. You're like, all right, this is, I don't know if anybody out there has seen any discussion from the cast about getting into these badass parts of season three and really seeing the series congeal and like at what point they knew I'd be interested in hearing those stories. Maybe Mike Sussman might uh, have some more memory alpha odd edits here with his own personal <laughs> notes. Come on, Mike, you know, you need to, he might, he might even you. be listening to us right now. Who knows <laughs> if you're, if you're fucking editing memory alpha for enterprise episodes, why not listen to uh, a podcast? 